calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. What are we gonna do, guys? Reese looked first to his brother Darian, then to their friend Gage. The trio had driven over 400 miles with a trunk full of ghost hunting equipment to check out an old farmhouse a fan happened to own. Upon their arrival, they had immediately regretted this decision. The so-called farmhouse looked like a fairly typical if slightly older, suburban home. The acreage it once sat upon had long been colonized by cookie-cutter houses and populated by young families both with and without children. You couldn't tell which houses had kids living in them because everyone seemed to have agreed to keep their yards neat and tidy. Maybe the neighborhood was in a homeowner's association. An HOA would have been the most sinister thing the team had come across yet. Their outlook on a good, scary video only deteriorated when they met the supposedly ultra-haunted home's owner, Mike. He was a middle-aged CPA who wore rimless glasses and too much gel in his hair. Even though it was Friday night, he was wearing a collared shirt tucked into his blue jeans. In his defense, the boys did tell him they wanted to get him in front of the camera at some point. "'Hey, guys!' Mike had greeted them cheerfully at the door. "'Come on in! Make yourselves at home!' Nothing about his demeanor suggested he was inviting them into a house with the history or anomalies he had described in his email. As they lugged their backpacks and cases full of gear inside, Mike had said, I know I said it in my email, but I'm a big fan of your show. I watch it a lot at work. Don't tell my boss. He laughed and threw his hands up in a clownish, don't shoot gesture. The boys had smiled politely, and Gage even forced a chuckle for the poor guy. Some people couldn't help being born on the warmer end of the coolness spectrum. And in total fairness, Mike was probably a great guy. He was certainly very friendly and hospitable. 
He may have even been a role model to a different type of 23-year-old, but to Reese, Darian, and Gage, he served only as a warning of what they could become if they didn't put everything they had into achieving internet stardom. I don't know, man, Darian said, shrugging at his brother. It was now nearly one o'clock in the morning. Mike had been gone for four hours. We came all the way out here. I feel like we at least need to spend the night just in case. Gage said, I agree. I mean, it's late. What else are we going to do, get a hotel? At least this place is free. Yeah, all right, Reese agreed. We should sleep in shifts, though, just in case something actually happens. Someone should always be up checking the cameras and listening for the devices. I can take first watch if you guys want. The owner had bombarded them with questions about their gear as they had unpacked it all. He let them use an empty bedroom upstairs as their home base. There were actually quite a few empty, unused rooms in the two-story house. Sorry there's no beds, Mike had said. I haven't slept here in months. I suppose you'll want to get the cameras rolling before I tell that story. Anyway, I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment most of the time. It hurts to pay rent on top of the mortgage. Yeah, we'll want to shoot your story for sure. You can give our viewers the whole history of the house, Reese had explained. Mike had smiled uneasily in return. Gage went down to the car and retrieved their sleeping bags from the trunk. They always brought sleeping bags along. They had never needed them before. Ironically, the first time any of the sleeping bags would be used was inside an air-conditioned house. The boys rolled one of the bags out on the living room couch, then moved the coffee table off of the plush center rug and laid the second bag out on that. Darian and Gage played rock-paper-scissors to decide who got the couch. Everything's in place, right? It's all turned on? Darian asked. He had won two out of three rounds and was now laying on the couch on top of his sleeping bag. Yep, all good to go, Reese replied. The REM pods upstairs, cat balls basically everywhere else. You gonna break out the SLS? Gage asked. Maybe, Reese replied. Only if some of the other stuff goes off. The SLS is too much work if there's nothing around. Fair, Gage nodded and slipped into his sleeping bag on top of the rug. While Gage and Darian dozed off, Reese sat in a big armchair across from them, put on headphones, and started reviewing what they had already filmed. He started with their intro, just the standard boilerplate stuff. What's up, guys? You know who we are. As always, I'm Reese Whitney, and this is my brother Darian. Tonight, we're also joined by our good friend and fellow ghost hunter, Gage Kepler. They shouted exaggerated cheers for Gage. Everybody check out his channel and don't forget to subscribe. Reese impressed himself with how excited he had managed to sound even after the disappointing start of their investigation. He next reviewed their interview with Mike, the owner. How about you take us back to when you bought this place? The miniature on-screen version of Darian asked Mike. Do you want to hear about its history first? Mike asked. Oh, sure. Darian said. Gage added, right on. Reese said, just start wherever you want to, man. We'll edit all this stuff. Ha, right, okay. Mike looked into the camera, ran a finger across his hairline to push back any non-existent strays, and told the story. If you can believe it, this house was built all the way back in the 1930s. It's obviously been heavily renovated since then, but we're sitting on the same foundation that was poured way back before World War II. Back then, this was the only house for six miles. There was a little village, I guess you'd call it, to the east. The guy who built the house was a farmer, and he moved in with his wife. 
They didn't have any kids, which was a little odd in those days, especially for somebody who worked the land. Kids were sort of like bonus employees back then, know what I mean? So, the farmer and his wife, their names were Jude and Vivian Kelly. They lived here for a while. He worked in the field all the time while she took care of the home and helped with the animals. She made a lady friend from the village, not really sure how they met or anything, but this friend started coming over every day while Jude was working. Of course, he didn't mind right away. This friend, I think her name was Sarah, was basically just an extra pair of hands he didn't have to pay for. Plus, she kept his wife happy. Maybe a little happier than he realized at first. Wait, were they like, in love? Darian asked. Mike nodded slowly. You kids are pretty young. You've grown up knowing and accepting gay folks. And that's great, don't get me wrong, but it might be hard for you to understand how recently that mindset has become the norm. Back then, I mean, we're talking the mid-30s, it was almost unthinkable. And the farmer was old school even for his day. He started going around making accusations that his wife's friend was a sex witch. That's how impossible it was for him to consider that his wife might just be a lesbian. Jude said this sex witch had put a curse on his family. She had spurned his wife against him poisoned his fields with immoral black magic and brought evil spirits into their home. Jeez, that's a little extreme, Gage said. You think? Mike's eyes widened. I mean, can you imagine? That poor woman finally found someone who could make her happy in ways either her husband couldn't or wouldn't, and he starts spreading rumors of witchcraft of all things, and in the 20th century. And you know what's worse? Well, almost worse other people bought it. The wife's friend, Sarah, had always lived alone, wouldn't you know it? Back then, that was weird. I mean, it's pretty obvious to us why she didn't marry some guy and start spitting out kids, but in those days, it was pretty suspect. So then one day, Vivian just can't take it anymore. She comes back from town, I think she'd gone for some groceries or something, and she's totally distraught. This is the husband's version anyway. He says she had gone to the village to tell her sex witch friend they couldn't see each other any longer. He said he had gotten through to his wife with reason and prayer, broken the spell that had been put on her. He said that in retaliation, the sex witch murdered his wife. She died? Reese asked. Yep, and that's all we know for sure. Vivian died. The husband claimed it was done with black magic. Some people speculated Vivian actually did it to herself, especially once attitudes towards alternative lifestyles started to shift in the late 80s and 90s. People think Vivian just couldn't bear the rumors and sideways looks anymore. I mean, imagine being unable to ever be with the person who truly makes you happy. Instead, you're stuck with some guy who will destroy your life and basically imprison you rather than accept who you are. That's terrible, said Gage. I feel like you know a different version of the story somehow, Reese said. Oh, yes I do. Yes siree, I do. You guys ready for this? They all looked at each other, then nodded eagerly. This was before the four hours of miserable boredom which would turn them sour on Mike and his house. There was actually a real witch around here. And the witch did kill the farmer's wife with a curse. You know how I know? Her body... There wasn't a single scratch, bruise, or abrasion on her skin. The medical examiner called it a heart attack. She was 27. You boys know any healthy 27-year-olds that just dropped dead of a heart attack? So, 
Do you think her friend, or lover or whatever, killed her? Darian asked. No. Mike trailed off. He looked directly into the camera. He probably thought it would be dramatic and cool, but Reese thought it just looked corny when he watched the replay. He hoped the second camera had a good enough angle to use instead. The witch who killed Jude's wife was Jude himself. What? Darian and Reese said in unison. Gage said, no way. All three played up their reactions a little for the cameras, but not by much. They were all genuinely surprised by this twist. Oh yeah, you know how I know? Mike asked, raising an eyebrow like he was Vincent Price. They all replied, how? Mike said, because he told me. Ooh, here comes the good stuff. Darian smiled and nestled deeper into the couch. Yeah, Mike scoffed lightheartedly. The good stuff for you, maybe. See that chest over there? He pointed out of the camera's view. In the present, Reese looked over his shoulder at the cedar chest beneath the living room window, then back at the screen. There's a board in there. A Ouija board. I'm guessing guys who do what you do know what that is? They all nodded. Right. So you probably know you're never supposed to play with one alone. I gotta be honest, I never believed in ghosts or any of that. So I busted the board out one day when I just didn't have anything better to do. I've had it since I was a kid. It's just sort of followed me around all these years, you know? Anyway, there were some bumps in the night and weird sounds around the house. I figured since this house has a pretty dark history, it would be an interesting experiment to try talking to any lingering spirits. And you made contact? Reese asked. Oh yeah. I think part of why you're not supposed to play alone is to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. You can tell yourself the other person was moving the triangle thingy. When I felt that thing getting dragged around the board, I didn't have that comfort. When I asked its name, it spelled out Jude. I asked if it had lived here before, just to be safe, and it said yes. I asked who else lived here, and it spelled out I-A-N, like Ian. Maybe that was his nickname for Vivian? Or we get partial answers from ghosts all the time, Darian cut in. Like, guys, have we ever recorded one saying a full sentence? No, and supposedly it takes a lot of their energy to manipulate Ouija boards and stuff. Maybe he just used a shortcut, Gage suggested. Mike nodded as if he had already considered this. He said, Well, either way, I kind of worried I might not actually be talking to Jude's ghost, you know? Oh. Like something was impersonating him? Reese asked. Sure, yeah, something like that. But, you know, I kept asking questions and stuff kept lining up. I asked how he felt about his wife's friend and he spelled out hate. I asked if his wife was really a witch and he said no. That's when it got real crazy. Without me asking another question, my hand moved to I, then A, then M. I am... Gage asked after a second of silence. As in, no, my wife was not a witch, but I am. And at that moment, every smoke detector in the house went off at once. Wait, really? Reese asked. Mike nodded solemnly. Was there any fire or smoke at all? Nope. After that day, this place always felt evil to me. Even being here now, I can't wait to leave, to be honest. I started seeing shapes moving in the dark. I started having nightmares. I always felt watched. A couple of times I thought I heard a woman scream downstairs. 
Holy crap, uttered Darian. Yeah, so, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. Try to stay safe and call me when you're done in the morning. Sound good? Yeah, man. Thank you so much for contacting us and letting us do this, Reese said. I don't know how much we can help. We're ghost hunters, not ghostbusters, you know. But maybe we'll figure something out. With dark emotion saturating his voice, Mike said, I hope so. I really do. That's when Darian got up and turned off the camera. Reese shook his head. That initial interview had offered so much potential. Mike's house had a dark backstory, strange anomalies, supposed spirit contact, maybe shadow figures, and if they could capture audio of a woman screaming, man. But over the four hours that had passed since Mike left, absolutely nothing had happened. They had all the best equipment in the game, and yet nothing had gone off. Nothing had tried contacting them. To keep himself awake, Reese decided to review the equipment breakdown they always did at each location. It was how they familiarized new viewers with their methods. So, this here is the REM pod? Reese watched himself explain. On camera, he held up a cylindrical object with an antenna and four lights on top. This antenna generates an electromagnetic field. If anything touches that field, it makes a noise and the lights go off like this. He turned the pod on and waved his hand next to the antenna. It made a high-pitched whine and three out of the four lights turned on until his hand moved away. The lights indicate which direction the touch came from. We also have these cat balls. Darian stepped into the frame holding two transparent plastic balls with wires inside. They're literally just cat toys that light up if anything touches them. And what else? Oh, the spirit box. Yeah, we've got the spirit box again tonight. Reese held up a device that looked like an old portable cassette player, the type that laid flat and had a built-in speaker on top. He turned it on, and the device started making a rhythmic, chugging hiss. Reese had to raise his voice to be heard over the noise. This thing scans radio frequencies. The idea is that a spirit can manipulate the frequencies to talk to us. It sounds weird, but if you watch some of our other videos, you can see it actually works pretty well. He turned the spirit box off. And last but not least... Reese spun the camera 180 degrees to point at Gage. Gage was holding a monstrous device that hid most of his torso. The lower half looked like a camera, and the upper half, attached by a mechanical contraption, was a glowing blue screen. This is an SLS camera, Gage explained. Darian, go stand over there. See, if I point this at Darian... He swiveled the device until it was pointing at Darian. Reese zoomed in as a stick figure outline appeared in white on the blue screen. Its joints were marked by dots. When Darian moved, so did the stick figure. Cool, right? It'll detect human spirits like this. It's super freaky when a figure pops up and there's no one else around, Reese added. Then he said, Okay, is that everything? Off camera, Darian said, Yeah, that should be it. And the camera went dark. Reese decided to record an honest update on his phone. He wasn't sure if it would go in the final video, if they even made a video about this dud of a house, but he wanted to have it just in case. Hey guys, so we've been sitting around for like four, well, almost five hours now, and literally nothing has happened. It just feels like an Airbnb, to be honest. Darian and Gage went to sleep, and pretty soon I'll wake one of them up to take watch. We're still hoping... Reese heard the unmistakable whine of the REM pod upstairs, 
He double-tapped his screen to make the view switch from his face to the front camera. One of the cat balls clacked down the stairs, flashing red and blue light as it entered the living room, then went still and dark. Hello? Reese called out. He whispered, Oh my god, we might actually have something. I've never seen a spirit actually move one of our devices before. I gotta wake up Darian and Gage. Hey guys! He pushed Darian's shoulder. Guys, wake up! He shook Gage's leg. Guys? Neither of them stirred. The REM pod upstairs continued to whine. Reese propped up his phone on the coffee table so he could shake his brother awake with both arms. He grabbed Darian's shoulders and lifted him three inches off the couch, making his head tip back and hang above the cushion. Reese shouted his name over and over, but Darian would not respond. He had the same result with Gage. What do I do? What do I do? Reese asked himself aloud. He suddenly remembered his phone was recording and picked it up. Looking into the camera, he said, I don't know if I should keep investigating. These guys won't wake up. I mean, they're still breathing, but I should call 911 just in case. Like, I don't know if there's some chemical or something in... He trailed off and looked over his shoulder at the stairs. The REM pod had gone quiet, and in the new silence, he thought he had heard a footstep. A board on or near the stairs issued a decelerating creak like someone was stepping off of it. Whoever had been upstairs messing with the REM pod was coming down to join Reese in the living room. As if confirming this, the fallen cat ball lit up. Who's there? Reese asked the air next to the flashing ball. He stood in silence, listening for another footstep or a knock, a breath, maybe even audible words. But he heard nothing but his brother and friend's snores. The cat ball eventually went dark. Where are you now? Reese asked. Can you touch the ball again? He had encountered spirits almost two dozen times before. Darian and Gage's unbreakable sleep scared him far more than the lights and electronic noises. If any of them had gone to sleep in the past, they had always been able to wake up. Nothing touched the ball. It sat still, casting an outline of itself in shadow on the floor. Reese gave Gage a half-hearted kick in the thigh and shook Darian once more, but he knew they weren't going to stir. Oh, he suddenly exclaimed. He set his phone down, having forgotten it was recording. Ah, ah, where's that spirit box? I thought it was right. Ah! He found the flat, rectangular device and turned it on. There we go. Okay, whoever is here with me, you can speak through this. Just talk to me like you would to a friend. I'll hear you. The box made its rhythmic hissing noise, but no words came through the static. The noise just pulsated like a terrified heart. Reese felt his own blood pump racing almost perfectly in time with the box. Is there someone here with me to- Farm, said a firm man's voice in the box. Farm, farm, farmer? Am I speaking to the farmer? Reese asked. He remembered his still recording phone and propped it up on the table. He knelt down with the box in his lap. Here, came faintly through the static. You're here with me right now? Is that what you're saying? He's here, said the box. Reese creased his eyebrows and glanced at Darian and Gage to make sure they still seemed okay. Besides their impenetrable slumber, they appeared normal. Wait, who? The farmer, Jude? He asked the box. Kneeling, came through perfectly clear. 
Ah, ah, kneeling. Like you're kneeling? Reese asked. The box said, He's touching. Reese's eyes again went to his compatriots. He wondered if he was hearing two spirits. Or perhaps it was just the wife speaking to him and he had misinterpreted some of the truncated messages. He thought she might be telling him her husband was touching her, or maybe one of them. Did he hurt you? Reese asked. Nothing came through. He waited a few seconds before asking another question. Is he a bad man? Save? The word came through loud and desperate, and it sounded like it was cut short. There had been more to the exclamation than what came through the box. Save what? Save who? Reese wasn't taking his eyes off of Darian and Gage. Now he was truly afraid for them. He started to consider dragging them outside to see if that would wake them up. Stay, leave, the voice in the box said. Reese shook his head violently back and forth. That doesn't make any sense, he said. Stay, leave, what should I do? Leave us, it said. This message was spliced together with two voices from the radio. Save, came through again, although this time it didn't sound so desperate. Reese remembered the other devices scattered around the house and realized they were all staying silent and dark, despite the intense activity he was detecting with the spirit box. It stood to reason that whoever he was talking to was standing in the room with him. He saw the SLS camera laying above Gage's head on the floor and reached for it. He's touching, hissed through again, either muffled or distant. Come on, come on, Reese growled at the slow SLS system. It took forever to boot up. Finally, the blue screen shone in his eyes. Hands trembling, Reese lifted the camera. He pointed it first at his brother on the couch. One white line went up from where the couch should have been on the screen. On the SLS, everything was flat blue except for the white stick figures. Reese slowly raised the camera until he could see the lines and joint dots of a person's torso and a single line for their head. The figure appeared to be standing just behind the couch, with its arms hanging at its sides. The spirit box continued to pulse its hissing static. Reese swiveled the camera over to Gage on the floor. A second figure was knelt over Gage's head. In the middle, the figure looked like a crazed mess of lines and dots where its arms and legs crisscrossed each other, but its hands were extended outward. One where Gage's head would be, and the other toward the couch where Darian's head would be. The second figure's head, just a white line on the screen, was pointed upward like it was staring directly at Reese. You see me? came through the box beside Reese, so clearly it could have been another person in the room. It was, Reese forced himself to accept, another person in the room, just not someone he could see or talk to without help. The stick figure on the camera, the one kneeling beside Gage, stood. What did you do to my friends? Reese demanded. Gone, the box said. Reese choked on his own saliva. Gone? Gone where? Down. This time the box used a woman's voice. Reese wondered if that had any bearing on the gender of the speaker. Was this the farmer's wife, Vivian, trying to help him? Down? Down where? He asked, looking at the space above the couch. He decided the figure he had seen there must have been Vivian. He's touching had probably referred to her ghost husband's hands on the other guys' heads. 
it struck Reese that the voice might have been referring to the basement. Since Mike hadn't told them of any paranormal activity occurring in the basement, they hadn't set up any equipment down there. But what had Mike said about the house? It had been heavily renovated, but sat on the same foundation that was poured before World War II. The one part of the house that had been through all the hardship, all the trauma, all the pain, was down. And down was apparently where Reese needed to look for Darian and Gage. You'd better not touch them, he said, pointing and nodding at his brother and their friend. Since he couldn't really determine which voice was trying to help and which was trying to hinder him, Reese turned off the spirit box. He went upstairs to grab the REM pod and his backpack. While he was there, he strapped a GoPro to his forehead. Making a YouTube video was no longer his first priority, but if he could passively capture this insane experience, it could provide irrefutable proof of the paranormal for the public. And assuming Darian and Gage eventually woke up okay, this video might just push them to the top of the ever-growing ghost hunter heap. He left the staging room and went downstairs, where he picked up the cat ball that had fallen. Slinging his bag over his shoulder, Reese picked up the SLS camera. Very quickly, he swept the living room and saw the two stick figures had gone. He guessed he knew where. The basement steps were dusty. Mike said he rarely visited the house, and apparently his trips to the dank basement were even rarer. There was a light bulb above the old wooden stairs, but it flickered after Reese turned it on. He didn't trust that it would remain on while he did whatever it was he had to do. For the time being, he turned on the small LED light attached to the GoPro on his head. The stairs ended at a small dirt square. The rest of the basement lay behind an empty stone doorway. Reese looked around for a light switch, but didn't see one anywhere. He found some wires running along the ceiling, but they all ran from the ceiling into the breaker box. None were attached to a light. The basement was a mostly open space, with cold, exposed stone walls that made Reese feel small and alone. There were a couple of compartmentalized areas which had doorways, but no doors. The whole thing smelled wet, like a scummy pond. The air sat heavy and thick, with nowhere to go. There were no windows, no vents, just walls of heavy rock all around. Reese set the REM pod in the middle of the floor and rolled the cat ball into one of the smaller rooms. He set down the SLS and let it boot up while he dug the other ball out of his backpack and rolled that into the second room. Once the two cat balls stopped flashing, Reese said, Okay guys, the spirit said you were down here. If you are, I hope you know how to get back up. You know how this stuff works. Give me a sign if you're here. All of the equipment stayed dark and quiet. Nearly a full minute passed. Please guys, I don't know what's happening. Could you just... One of the cat balls began to flash. Darian? Gage? Reese ran into the room where the ball was lighting up, leaving the SLS camera laying on the floor beside the REM pod. If you guys can hear me, can you follow me out? I can take you upstairs so you can wake... Now the REM pod started whining loudly at a panicky pitch Reese had never heard before. It sounded like someone hadn't just interrupted the electromagnetic field, but was clutching the very antenna itself. Reese spun around and gasped when he saw Gage standing in the middle of the basement, holding up the REM pod. He sneered at Reese, then chucked the REM pod down 
smashing it into the SLS's screen. The screen shattered, and the REM pod's antenna snapped off. Both devices were ruined. Gage, what are you doing? Reese yelled. Gage turned around and bolted back up the stairs. Reese abandoned the still flashing cat ball and chased after him. At the bottom of the staircase, he looked up and saw both Darian and Gage looking down at him through the basement doorway. Their eyes were hauntingly vacant. Darian was holding on to the door. Wait, guys! Reese's cries changed nothing in the boys' dead expressions. Without a word, Darian slammed the door shut in Reese's face. Reese heard the bolt lock slide into place. The light bulb over his head flickered, then went out. This story will be continued next week. Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss the dramatic conclusion. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.